Yeah, mac and cheese for breakfast. Mac and cheese and coffee for breakfast. Oh, yes. Oh, stretch it out, baby. Stretch it out. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello and welcome. Heine House Gaming and Tech Podcast, July 6th, 2020. So good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, we're going to talk games. We're going to talk tech. We're going to talk uh, everything else in between. Lots of random fun stuff. We have, uh, actually, we have a lot of news with like streaming. There's a lot of streaming news, Mixer, and Twitch, and stuff like that going on. Las Vegas launching a a uh, esports apartment complex. Wait, what? So, so when you go to like rent out, remember apartment complexes, you can go rent out like the banquet room or whatever it is, the ballroom or something. You can go rent out an esports lounge now. Wait, what? Yeah, we'll talk about it. Acer's new Acer monitors. Apple and Intel say goodbye. What? Netgear has a huge security breach on their routers. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else? What else can I preview here in, in the first minute of uh, talking? Bunch of games on Switch coming out or already out. Some re- kind of remasters, I guess. Uh, EA's flooding the Switch and Steam library right now. Uh, yeah, and a bunch of other stuff too. So we'll talk about all that stuff on this episode of Heine House Gaming Attack. I don't even know what number, what episode number it is. I think we're. Are we in the sixties now? I don't even know. What, what do I know, folks? I just work here. I just work here. <clears throat> Let's jump in. Let's talk about it. Hey, um, but before we do, hey, patrons, thank you so much, folks. Where's my soundboard? Where's my soundboard? Wake up. Hold up. Stop it. Get some help. So I appreciate every single one of you here. This show is completely supported by your support on Patreon. So all of the people you see right here on your screen... And the game loft, the main floor, and the ground floor tiers, y'all are responsible for the show happening. Why don't I hit my why don't I hit my record and back up? There we go. We're gonna start. I just hit my backup recorder right now. We'll start from the top. There we go. Uh, so thank you so much, patrons, for your support right here on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Jason Heine. Guess what? You just go to my website, heinehouse.com. Check it out. Y'all, check it out, check it out, 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 out. Um with this, with this, thank you so much right there in the main floor, my man. Thank you for returning, Percy Havoc. Thank you for returning to Patreon, my man. I appreciate you. He makes fantastic content as well. He's got himself a nice Twitch channel. Y'all should check him out. Um, appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Uh, let's jump in. Let's talk about some stuff because... Um, the, the most, I got some random stuff to talk about first. First of all, number one, this was, this is huge. And I've talked about this for years. I can literally say years. Hotshot Racing. We had an incredible, incredible community event last night. Here's, the, I was, here's my famous last words. Long story short, it's always a long ass story. Long story short, last week, all right, uh, Curve Digital, who's the publisher, and Lucky Mountain Games, who are the original developers, uh, shout out to Trev, my good friend Trev. He reached out to me and said, hey, look, we're trying to put together a beta for PC. Can Do you think you can round up the Heine House community to help us do this? And I'm like, bruh, are you kidding me? Bruh. Of course I can. Of course I can. This is I've been waiting for this moment, dude. This is all I've been waiting for. I wake up every morning, I say, I wish, really wish I could do a hot shot racing online gaming community event where we t- beta test the game and give great constructive positive feedback to the game. And that's just what we did. So he sent me first. Here's the thing. First, he sent me like 10 keys, uh, beta keys. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll put up a form. I sent out a, a form for everyone in the Discord uh, to get to be a part of it. Shout out to the Discord crew, everyone out there. Amazing. Um, yeah. And it blew up and we got like almost 70 applicants. And I'm like, uh, yeah, bro. I'm like, Trev, can you send me some more keys? Because I got a lot of people signing up. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, no problem. So he sent me all these keys. And he's like, hey, what else do you need? What else? And I said, well, I would love to stream it. I would love to play it. I would love to lift this NDA for this event so we can actually showcase it and show the world. Just kind of like shooting in the dark here. And he's like, yeah, cool. No problem. We'll do it. What? 
So he lifted the NDA so I could actually stream it, could talk about it, I could show it. We could play it live with the community for the first time ever. This was huge. And we did this last night. Like, my voice is still gone. I, we had such an amazing time, honestly. There were definitely tears shed. There was an, an amazing moment. Like, we popped up the credits of, of the game at the end and, like, officially, like, Heine House was represented there. Like, the whole crew, everyone who played on it, Ben Marcus Allen, Mike Turner, John Hake, Lucas Walters, the entire crew, um, Eric Ladd, everyone. The whole Heine House crew is in there. It's so great. And uh, it just feels good. It really, really feels good. So we played last night, streamed it for six effing hours. Yes, it was solid. We played online. We were laughing. We were queuing up in the lobbies. Sure, there were some bugs here and there, some issues here and there. But overall, it was an absolute blast. A very important, monumental moment for me uh, to be able to have produced a good majority of the soundtrack to that game. And then it's it's one thing to like make a song based on pictures and assets and early test builds that I have had access to. It's a whole nother thing to actually play a video game. This hyped for me being an arcade racer. It looks like virtual racing. It's 90s arcade racing style. Like this is everything that I've ever wanted. And to be able to play it, it was incredible. I've in fact I streamed the whole event, of course, but I recorded the archive. It's up on my Twitch page. I'm going to upload it as well to YouTube, so it will be in the archives, and it will be backed up there so everyone can watch it again. It's a long one, I know. You're not going to sit through the whole thing. I know that. But definitely when, when it gets uploaded, go check out some of it. And then when the game comes out, please go buy it and support Sumo and Curve and Lucky Mountain. And hey, and Heine House, how about it? It was a blast. Absolute blast. Thanks to everyone for taking part. There will be more beta events in the future, from what I hear. I'm not sure what platforms, but definitely get in the Discord because I have all of the chat channels in there as well. You can find Discord on my website, heinehouse.com. Mixer is shuts down overnight. What? Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah, it's just literally in a tweet. Not even like some official shit. It was just in a tweet. In a surprise tweet, Microsoft announced they're shutting down Mixer. Mixer is their streaming platform equivalent to kind of, you know, Twitch, if you, if you will. And they're merging it with, can you guess? Can you guess? What, what would they merge it with? Maybe something, maybe, maybe a platform people actually like? <laughs> Bless you, my dear. <clears throat> no, hell no. They're merging with Facebook gaming. She's, Steph goes, she's allergic. She's over there sneezing. She heard Facebook gaming, she's sneezing. Um, this was a major shocker. And most Mixer streamers, were, uh, they're hesitant to move over to Facebook gaming because, well, Facebook. I, I, I don't think a lot of people like Facebook in general. You know what I mean? Like the consensus is. So, yeah, that was a big, bold move. And, uh, yeah, Mixer streamers were kind of SOL. A lot of them found out as they were streaming. Um, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of questions about what's going on, what's happening. But yeah, and it was like the end, like the end of the month. It's done. Like you got 30 days to vacate, man. It was basically like an eviction notice. Insane. Insane. You know, and I kind of feel bad because I'm not, I'm not saying all people who stream on Mixer are banned from Twitch, but if you, if you're, if you stream on Mixer, some, not all, I shouldn't even say some because it's a very small portion of people. But if for any reason you were banned on Twitch, like if you if you were in there doing some, you know, stuff you shouldn't be doing and you got banned on Twitch and then now Mixer shut down, I feel bad for those people because they don't really have anywhere to go. I mean, you can go to Facebook. Facebook? You can go to Facebook, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean... And most people are going back to Twitch. Yeah, absolutely. Or they're making the merge. Maybe they were never on Twitch to begin with. And so, you know, it kind of sucks because they're having to start, basically start over from scratch. But, uh, hey, I've done that a few times, so I don't really feel bad. No, I do feel bad. It's, it's, it's really shitty for a company just to do that in a tweet and be like, yeah, see you later. Like that, that was kind of a, a bad deal. It's really a bad deal. Lots of stuff in streaming anyway. Lots of news. Uh, two days later after that announcement, this has nothing to do with Mixer, but two days later, one of the most, if not the most popular streamer on Twitch, a guy by the name of Dr. Disrespect, gets permanently banned from Twitch 
And uh, I watched the the VOD of it. It was almost like it, it kind of played out like he didn't know what was going on. He was streaming live. And it almost seemed like somebody who was probably part of his production team or staff member or something like that came over to him or maybe a friend. I don't know how he has it set up exactly, but I know he has a production staff back there. Someone came over and was signaling to him about something. And he put up his hand like, okay, hold on, wait one moment. Like his hand went up and he told him like, just hold on a minute. They were probably telling him like, hey, you need to check your phone or you need, you need to like look at this right now. He was watching a video. Somebody was requesting him watch a video or something he was watching, but he was look he was looking down at his phone. You could see him. He was looking down at his phone. And then it whatever he saw on his phone, you could see him have that reaction of like the complete like he was gutted. Like he was completely gutted. And he basically came up and was like, you know, hey, we're gonna get through this. And you know, that's pretty much all he said. It's like, hey. His uh, subs, he calls them the Champions Club. Champions Club. He's like, hey, champions, we're going to get through this. And then that was it. And he's like, fuck. He goes, fuck. And then he just shut the stream off. And that was it. That was it. No no word was given as to why he was banned or what's happening. There's tons of rumors and allegations. I have no idea. This isn't the first time he's been banned. Uh, at E3, he was live streaming from the restroom. He went in there. And uh, yeah, that's kind of against... Uh, not only the Twitch terms of service, but that's kind of just a dumb move, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, crazy stuff. So he's he's definitely, uh, he's gone. People are not knowing what's going on. Uh, it's an interesting time for streaming right now because we have lots of stuff going on with, um, you know, Mixer being shut down, but then Twitch also going through lots of different allegations of sexism and racism and, uh, them being called out for this, allowing people to have racist usernames and all these things that are going on. And then uh, when, I didn't even put it on my on my my list here, but uh, the the CEO or director of Evo was accused of um, what was he accused of? He was doing something um, pedophile. Uh, pedophile, yeah, with children. And they 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 called him out on it. And there's allegations and there's proof. And so Evo's like, we have shut down Evo. We are not going to be dealing with him. Like, whoa, this is insane. Like this, this crazy right now. And wow, wow. I just, I, I don't, I just, I don't get it. I just don't get all the stuff. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, so we're in a really kind of like gray area right now with with uh, streaming and online stuff. That's for sure. Um. Man, yeah, insane stuff. So anyway, it's uh, it's all coming kind of coming around here to where streamers are going to be switching up. Um, on Mixer, there was already streamers they were posting like uh, basically a static picture. They were live, but it was a static picture of like join me on my new page on Twitch, and so they're moving on. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I mean, I signed up for a Facebook gaming account just to have Heine House on there, but. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is, is there really an audience? Is there really a target there? I've actually been reading. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I've actually been reading. Hi, Steph. <laughs> um, like people who are partnered on Facebook. And there's a lot of, they're a lot more restrictive than, say, Twitch or. Yeah. Like yeah. even trying to stream copyright free music, free music to listen to. There's no copyright strikes against it or anything. Facebook is like. Nope, and they'll immediately shut down the stream. Like Instagram does. Yeah. Shuts it down. Yeah, Shuts right away. Down. Well, yeah, because they're owned by Facebook, so. Oh, yeah, duh, of course. Of course yeah. <laughs> Good call. Oh, my gosh. And I think, I thought I read that people were saying that they're really strict about sponsors. Like, it's very difficult or that you can't have sponsors on Facebook. With oh, Facebook. I, I did read that, too. Yeah. It's like a, a walled garden. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, who wants to do that? Especially if you have a sponsor who's like, yeah, let's work together. Yeah. You can't. The only the only benefit, I think, is if Mixer people migrate there and they stream on Facebook for 90 days, like they have to fulfill some obligations and they get paid like 2500 bucks. I mean, I'd, I'd do it. Whoa. <laughs> what, really? Yeah, they get, I think they get paid $2,500 for doing that. Yeah, you better get going. You better do the rest of the show. I'm uh, going to log <laughs> off here and get, get streaming on Mixer for a bit. Or Facebook Gaming. Uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. That's crazy. I mean, at least they give them some sort of incentive to jump over there. I mean, you got to pay You got to pay people to do it. 
I'm 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 not being I'm not being uh I mean I'm not being too crazy on it. I I'm I'm interested to see where it goes because reality folks is that's where it's going. So we're gonna see a huge huge spike in Facebook gaming. So let's let's try to check it out and see what happens with it. I don't know. It's very early on. We don't know yet. Um, yeah, speaking of partying, hey, my birthday's coming up, and we usually do a little birthday stream. Uh, we have every year on Twitch. Uh, my birthday's on the 13th. Very, very exciting. Uh, I, I'm turning uh, 21 again. Great. 21 again. Yeah, man. Every year, just 21 over and over again. <clears throat> this is actually the first year. No, actually, maybe it's not the first year. Maybe the last couple of years. I've actually had to think about how old I am. <laughs> that got a giggle over there. I had to think about, you know, when you're young, you're excited about your age. You're like, yeah, I'm 21 and a half. Duh. I'm 23, boys. You know what I mean? Like, okay. When you start to get above, I don't know. Let's just say when you get to be above uh, 35 or 30. Yeah. How about that? When you get above 30, you're kind of like, you know, age just—it's just a—it's just, just another number. Uh, it's another another day. You know, we don't—we eh, don't really talk about that sort of thing. And I had to really think about how old I am. Even to this day, I don't know. I have to—I have to wait for my birthday and then look on the window for the little uh, happy birthday stickers on the window, or the little—the little banner that says "Happy Birthday, Jason, you're this old," so that I know because I really don't know. But anyway, we're probably gonna do a a, a stream. Uh, it actually is one week from today, Monday. Skyrim stream for your birthday? <laughs> actually, I think we're supposed to. I think we're supposed to. I still need to talk with um, Weldon and Justin about this. So yeah, yeah, possibly Saturday night. Oh my gosh, it's going to happen. We had a, we reached a community goal on Twitch where I'm going to play Skyrim with the community's help, with the chat's help. You guys are going to be in there doing a poll. You can poll and vote for big events that I do in Skyrim. And I'm going to play through it with, with the help. And I told everyone, I need help. You got to help me through it. Last time I played it, I got eaten by the abominable snowman in like 20 minutes. So it's going to be hilarious. Gosh, yeah, I could. I could. Birthday stream Skyrim. Birthday Skyrim stream. Oh my gosh. What are we doing? I can't believe it. Um, and then lastly, folks, uh, on the random news here is that I, the podcast will probably have to have a new schedule. It will be released either a day or two earlier. Uh, because I am back to working full time on the uh, the amazing, awesome, incredible, wonderful third shift. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, kind of difficult, and that's why I didn't do an episode last week. I was just getting back into my schedule, and it was just there's too much going on, and I didn't get enough sleep, and I couldn't do it. And so anyway, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what day that is, but it's probably going to be sometime midweek, possibly. Um, I have Friday, Saturday off, so maybe it will be actually Friday. Might be Friday, you might get it. So for the weekend, but either way, uh, I'm still continuing on the weekly schedule of the podcast. Of course, let's jump into some gaming news. It's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm now on the Switch. Duke Nukem, Duke 3D, the 20th anniversary World Tour brings a brilliant version of the 1996 classic PC shooter. Duke Nukem, one of my favorites. It's on Switch. It's on Switch. You know, my dad taught me a game called Switch. No, we'll leave that there. Uh, the Switch version has many options. I wrote a whole bunch of stuff here to talk about because this is actually very interesting. There's been, there's the Duke, um, there's the 20th anniversary edition. Then there's also the, there's another one that I have on Steam that was really good. I forget the name of it. Um, yeah, I don't remember. But there's a few different versions. And this one actually has some graphical enhancements. So this is what I wanted to mention on it. Um, now, this port for Switch, it has many options, including, of yes, gyro aiming, if you really want to do that. Um, some people say that it actually is an enormous help uh, for the precision of the game. I, I have yet to try it. I am definitely down to try it. They say it's responsive and it's very nice. Um, of course, you can remap any of these buttons, too. Movement is slick. The game's performance uh, didn't falter either. It runs at a solid 60 frames a second. That is huge. Um, the game has also been rebuilt in a 3D engine. Now, you remember Duke 3D used an engine called Build, the Build engine uh, by uh, Mr. Ken Silverman, actually. Funny story about Ken Silverman. Back in all-gen gamers days, 
this is very early on, maybe 2011, I wrote out to Ken and uh, I said to him, I would like to have you on my podcast, All Gen Gamers. And I actually got a hold of him via email. And he was very hesitant. He did not. He goes, I don't actually want to speak with my voice. I, th I should have kept the email. I, I probably still have it in my old EMU email. But he said that he didn't want to be on the podcast because he didn't want his words to be uh, twisted or flipped around or whatever. He's like, yeah, I, I don't do. I, he goes, I don't do voice invoice interviews. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, but if you, if you write me questions, I'll respond to them in text. And I was like, okay, we're not going to do that. I want you on the show to speak and talk about your amazing game that you changed gaming history with. Uh, and I appreciated him at least answering questions. But uh, yeah, I couldn't get him on the podcast. He didn't want to be on the podcast. He was for some reason worried about that. I wonder if he'd do them now considering it's, uh, you know, I mean, podcasting. Back then, he was probably like, a podcast? What the fuck is a podcast? We're not doing that. We're not going to do anything with pods and castings. We're going to do that. Um, anyway, so this game... <laughs> sorry, random side note there. Um, so the Duke 3D for Switch has been rebuilt in a 3D engine, meaning that the buildings no longer warp and look funny when you look up at them. Yeah, that was definitely a thing. Because in the build engine, it did, I mean, it did 3D, but it didn't really do height that well. Basically, like, enemies are just sprites. You know what I mean? So, like, depending on which way you look at them, they're always looking at you. Same thing with buildings. So, uh, yeah. It also has a brand new episode, Alien World Order, crafted by some of the original Duke 3D level designers. Oh, man, this is good. Um, yeah. So, I, I definitely want to check this out and pick this up. And, in fact, during the Steam sale... Um, it went on sale on PC. I did pick it up there. It wasn't on sale on Switch yet, but uh, when it does go on sale, I'll pick it up there too. I just have so many copies of Duke. It's just like, it's hard. It's just, it's hard to justify. I want Duke on every single platform. I do. I really do. That game is that important to me. Very cool. Uh, the Wii and Wii U are getting a new game release. Wait, what? What? Yeah, they are. Uh, the two platforms are going to get a new game this summer. Shakedown Hawaii. Developer V Blank Entertainment's 2019 sequel to Retro City Rampage. I know you guys played that one. Uh, so it's called Shakedown Hawaii. It's going to be released on Wii on July 9th with a limited run of 3,000 physical copies. The Wii U port, or actually no, the Wii port is also, unfortunately, unless you're in PAL, of course, going to be limited to the PAL territories. Nintendo of Europe is apparently still manufacturing Wii discs, so they have access to those. Unfortunately, in the U.S., they are no longer manufacturing Wii discs, so we are not getting a copy of that. Um, of course, I know a lot of Wii collectors that are probably still going to buy it anyway to have. I kind of want it, not going to lie, even though I wouldn't be able to play it. Um, I'll probably have to just get the Wii U version. So, yeah, I definitely want to pick that up, though. Uh, the Wii version of Shakedown Hawaii will go on sale Thursday, July 9th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, yep, in three days from now. And it was gonna, it's going to cost 30 bucks. Uh, the Wii U and Steam version will follow later in August. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Very, very cool. A Las Vegas apartment adds eSports Lounge in their lobbies. Yes, this is true. So instead of, you know, renting out the little banquet room to have, you know, your banquet party, you know, your graduation party, you can just rent out. An esports lounge. How about that? Tuscan Highlands, a new apartment complex designed to replicate a resort experience, might be able to take advantage of this newfound interest in esports. With its 4,500 square foot esports lounge, it's going to open up later in the summer of 2020. Yeah, let's have a Heine House party there. I like the sound of that stuff. I like I like what you're on there. Let's just let's go out there and do it. Well, after, let me read what's going to be in there. Now we're really going to be hyped. Designed to appeal both to professional and casual gamers, the lounge will have 12 computer stations with 7 foot by 11 foot HD LED displays, virtual reality sports simulator with 15 foot by 9 foot display for golf, soccer, hockey, plus individual gaming stations equipped with Switch, PS4, Xbox One, probably the next gen consoles once those come out too. For more old fashioned gamers, uh, Old-fashioned gamers, old gamers might as well just 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 call it us. Just call us out for all the old fart gamers. 
for all the old, old, oldies that were around in the 80s and 90s. Some even in the 70s. I will say it is taking me a longer time to scroll through the when you have to enter in your birthday for to view some of those. Uh, it's a sad fucking thing, isn't it? It's a sad it's thing. How long it's taking me to get to the year I was born. I'm like, this keeps getting longer and longer. I know. I'm like, oh, God, I got to keep going. I'm like, Can I just pick one of the 90s? Fuck. Okay. Okay. <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. Um, for more old-fashioned gamers, there's also a collection of traditional arcade games. A YouTube and podcasting studio is attached to... Ooh, there's even special gaming chairs with adjustable height and reclining levels and with built-in headsets and headrests. Oh, that's cool. Lounge is scheduled to open in July. Oh, hey, oh, that's right now. With plans to hold esports tournaments with rewards and educational events. They say on here, quote, the esports lounge will feature events held by pro players, run education panels, and let residents interact with influencers and future influencers. I think this is great. I should actually run out the podcast station and run in there and do a live show from there. Fuck it. Let's do it. That'd be fun. Mm. Cheers, everyone. Have some coffee. It's, you know, it's coffee time. I'm going to start having coffee when I podcast. I think that's, that's really nice. You know, it's a nice touch. With, don't look at my cup, though. Don't look at that. I've been using it for two years. I haven't washed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, it's hard water. Relax. Uh, EA. We mentioned this earlier, but here's some official games. They've officially invaded Switch. Here are some games that are coming to the platform within, they say, the next 12 months in the next year. Burnout Paradise just was released. FIFA 21, Apex Legends with crossplay, Lost and Random, VLAN Studios game. VLAN Studios? VLAN? I don't know who that is. Some, some new game there. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit and Plants for Zombies. Battle for Neighborville. That's coming as well. So a bunch of games coming to Switch. Very, very cool. Um, and so speaking about games that are being released or upcoming games released, Codemasters uh, two weeks ago dropped a Dirt 5 trailer just out of nowhere saying Dirt 5 is coming. Folks, I am really excited about Dirt 5. Uh, honestly, it looks more of like an arcade experience, less of a sim experience. Now, Dirt has kind of gone both ways as far as that's concerned, some games have been more sim and some games have been kind of more arcadey. So they've been bouncing back and forth. And for me personally, I think I think the simcade experience on Dirt is kind of where it's at. If you want a real true hardcore sim rally experiences, you're going to go play Colin McRae. You know what I mean? You're going to go play that or even some of the earlier Dirt games. But Dirt has kind of always been the simcade experience for me. And I'm really happy to see that they're actually... <clears throat> going back on that, and in fact, doubling down on that, it looks like. Um, some of the elements in Dirt 5 look kind of MotorStorm-like, and that excites me, and that would make sense, folks, because if you remember, remember when Evolution Studios, the people who made MotorStorm and Drive Club and a bunch of other great games, when that disbanded, a lot of them went to Codemasters. So, in fact, the team there that left Evolution now working at Codemasters, are responsible for developing this game. Yes, that is a huge, huge uh, plug there. Great news. Um, I don't really want to jump the gun here, right? I don't want to, like, you know, go above and beyond here. But I do think this may be a day one purchase for me, and I don't say that lightly. I don't really do a lot of day one purchases. Uh, this one may be that. I saw a lot of early footage from lucky YouTubers who got early codes to play it, and it looks incredible. Another game coming out, or just actually did come out. Burnout Paradise, released on Switch. People are saying it's wonderful. The enhancements that they've done are incredible, and people really, really like it. Me, personally, I love Burnout Paradise. Not my favorite Burnout game, but I have an issue with that game. One very small issue that, in fact, ruins the entire game experience for me. And I know, I know people always say like, Jay, you're a frame rate horror. You know, Jay, you're, you're this and that. Yeah, it's all true. But also, don't fuck with my camera angle. What, don't mess with my camera angle. And that game, for some odd reason, the camera angle, it has like two adjustments and both of them are terrible. It's basically terrible and worser are the two camera angles you can have in that game. 
the camera angle is so low. I, I feel like I'm a broken record. I've said this before in other games. The camera angle is so low in third person that you cannot see the road in front of you. What is the point? What is the point of having a camera angle so low? I do not want to look at the fucking ass of my car the whole time. Get the camera angle up and back a little bit or give us some options for that. What's what pisses me off the most is that I, I bought this game like pretty much day one when it came out on PC a long time ago. What, 2010? When did that game come out? 2010, 2011, something like that. I bought that game and then on, on the PC anyway, you can use the right joystick and free look the camera, right? Well, if you hold it up, the camera angle goes up. Like you can move it. And then when you let go of the joystick, it goes, it settles back down. So you can't like, let me tell you, I actually got a piece of tape and I taped my joystick up. I, I'm, I shit you not. I shit you not. I did this. With, I got a, a piece of duct tape. I ripped it in half so that it's thin. And I basically held my joystick up and I wrapped it around my 360 controller and taped it in the up position. And then I played the game with it up so that I could actually see the road in front of me. I really did. And it's, it's frustrating. Like that is such an overlooked thing. Why would you have such a bad camera angle? I know I'm no, I'm, I'm freaking ranting about it, but like little things like that, I get so passionate and upset about that. It ruins the whole game. And it's such a, an amazing game. And some people don't care about it and they can deal with it or whatever, but that just, that just pisses me off. So I haven't seen it or played it on switch yet to see if maybe they fixed it. Does anyone know? Is there a new camera angle for that? I would love to know. And lastly, on Switch, Star Wars Episode One uh, Racer was released. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a fantastic game. Fantastic game. I played it actually recently on um, Dreamcast. I did a live stream. I, I wanted to beat the whole game. The game is fun in the first like two cups, the first like GP cups or whatever they're called. After that, after that, it just gets completely haywire. It gets, it gets the difficulties way too the ai are too difficult and the maps are too narrow and it's it's impossible to it's impossible to beat i i couldn't even finish it i really could i tried i tried and i tried i really could not finish it there's nothing i could do about it um but yeah so this actually is a great port of the game it's not an hd remake but everything about it is like polished like the textures are not blurry anymore it there's no jaggies like there's anti-aliasing so things are nice and crisp and clean lines are nice and then also um, textures are like, you know, they're not blurry. So I think this is a great port. People are saying it's very, very good. They have motion control in it as well, which some people say when you hold motion, like you go left or right, like that starts to make a lot of sense. You know, we used to play um, virtual on, we used to play T-Mech in the arcades and have two two joysticks for that. So like moving around and like that, that makes sense to me. We're like forward and then left and right. Like that sounds like fun with two Joy-Con. I want to try it. I definitely want to try it. So very, very cool stuff right there. I think that's going to be really, really good. All right, so that was the end of gaming news. How about that, folks? Huh? 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 Yeah. Let's talk about some tech. We have some tech stuff here. I tried to write a pun here. All right, so give me some credit. All right, just, just even if you're going to talk shit to me, just try to give me a little credit here. The Segway makes its name by segueing out of production. All right, that's what I wrote. That was my pun. That's actually a pretty good pun, isn't it? No? Okay. Segways no more. Steve Jobs said it would be bigger than the PC. Some dubbed it as the most hyped product since the Apple Macintosh itself. The two-wheeled, self-balancing personal transport device called the Segway, created over the course of a decade ago by Dean Kamen, a man already made impossibly rich by inventing a key technology behind medical IVs in his basement... He released this in December 2001 for $5,000. The cost of a low-end motorcycle at the time, despite the fact that a Segway's top speed is only 10 miles an hour, at the time, Cayman said it would be to the car what the car was to the horse and buggy. That's what he said. Uh, they've been manufacturing these out of New Hampshire, and the plant is going to stop production July 15th. That's next week. Um, a total of 21 employees will be laid off as a result, while 12 will stay on a temporary basis to handle various matters, including warranties and repairs on the Segways that are currently out there already. Um, five employees working on Segway Discovery scooters will also remain. So they have a team of people that will be there probably until maybe a year, right, for their one-year warranty or whatever their warranty is. When that to expire, then they'll be probably laid off. And then they have a small team of people working on Discovery 
Crazy, man. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Another thing going. This is, I know, a lot of interesting stuff happening. Another thing that is leaving is Microsoft is permanently closing all of its in-person physical retail stores. That's nuts. That's nuts. I actually, I know the people who work at one uh, here in Arizona and I've, I've had business dealings with them quite a bit. And uh, yeah, that's really sad. I, I'm sad to, to, to hear that it's going. Microsoft is giving up on physical retail. Today, the company announced plans to permanently close all the Microsoft store locations in the United States and around the world, except for four locations, New York, London, Sydney, and Redmond. However, I think Microsoft is doing this right. Look, no layoffs will result from today's decision, they say. Our commitment to growing and developing careers from this diverse talent pool is stronger than ever. Nice. That's awesome. Microsoft Store VP David Porter said in a LinkedIn post. Uh, Microsoft's retail operations told The Verge, that's where I got this article from, that the plan was originally in place for next year, but accelerated up by COVID-19, of course. Microsoft's Xbox Series X is launching this holiday, so they were hoping to make it at least that far and to to get uh, some sales from that. But uh, it's uh, it's just slow going right now. So they have uh, upped that timeline. So goodbye, Microsoft stores. Crazy times indeed. Crazy times indeed. Um, Acer, not a brand that uh, has been known to have amazing quality in, in the past, but uh, maybe they can uh, turn it around. Are they? Because they're launching a, a new monitor. I think I'm... I feel like I uh, talk about a new monitor every time I do a podcast episode, which is great. In fact, I'm okay with that. Like, hey, if I'm talking about a new monitor, that means that technology is advancing. The market is getting more flooded with them. Like, let's go, folks. Hey, here's to here's to us going to a hundred dollar 4K, uh, 240 hertz, one millisecond refresh monitor. Let's that's where we're going. That's where we need to be. Let's get there. Um, Acer announced one of the world's highest refresh rate monitors in the form of the Predator X25, joining the likes of the Alienware and Asus monitors, which I reported about earlier. Uh, there's no pricing or release date available at this time, but uh, it's coming. A 360 hertz monitor. Now, they do say in order to take advantage of that 360 hertz, you have to have an extremely powerful, beefy GPU, which would make sense. And also, it is going to it is forcing you to use NVIDIA G-Sync for that. That would make sense. I completely get it. So you know, if you've got one of those, if you got one of those 2080 Ti's, you know, one of those beefy cards, you'd probably be able to run it uh, locked in there at 360 hertz. I mean, most games won't even run that high, but just the fact that you your monitor would be refreshed at that rate, meaning you're going to get every single frame. I think that's that's great. Hey, don't mess with my frame rate. You know, don't mess with it. Um, another huge announcement from Apple. Look, at we got everyone. We got Mixer. We got we got Intel. We got Apple. We got Segway. There's a lot of stuff going on in, in, in tech. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Apple is ditching Intel and moving to its own chips. This is actually the biggest news article uh, this week. I'm, I mean, this is huge. This is huge. Apple is officially is officially moving to its own silicon chips CPUs for its Mac hardware, calling it a historic day for Mac. Apple CEO Tom Cook detailed the transition to PowerPC, the Mac OS X, and a move to Intel chips before unveiling its plans to use Apple's own ARM-powered silicon in Macs. And in the future, it's big move. It's a big move that means a Mac OS will support native iOS apps and Mac OS apps side by side in the new machines in the future. Apple will release the first Mac with Apple CPUs at the end of this year and expects the transition to take two years officially. New Intel powered Macs are still on the pipeline, so Apple isn't moving exclusively to ARM based Macs just yet. The biggest addition, uh, the biggest addition, this move to ARM powered chips brings is the ability for iOS and iPad OS apps to run natively on Mac OS in the future. They say, quote, most apps will just work, says Apple, meaning you'll be able to run all of your native Mac OS apps alongside the iOS apps side by side. Okay, okay, I get it, I get it. 
Is that really a warrant to switch out the CPU though? Do you really see the big picture here? Apple is, is creating, once again, they are raising their walled garden. That's all they're doing. They're raising their walled garden. They're keeping, and now at this point, folks, now er, almost everything is internal. The hardware, the software, the CPU, like everything is internal. That may be good for them and maybe good. Who, okay. Who in the hell wants to run their iOS and iPad apps on their fucking MacBook? That's my question. We've been fine without it so far. Who really wants to do that? Unless you make it a big touchscreen, I don't really see the need. They say that's that's the reason. Okay, that's the reason. Well, the big reason is they want to completely control every aspect of their hardware and software. They want to control every bit of it. I get it. I get it. Nintendo's the same way. Nintendo is the same way. Walled garden. It's a walled garden. Crazy. That actually just puts a big kink in a lot of stuff. That actually screws up compatibility. You know, a lot of pro recording studios, a lot of art studios, illustrator studios, a lot of people who create post-production, a lot of stuff, they use Mac. And this is going to completely throw a wrench in every single bit of their workflow. Mark my words. Mark my words. I can't even update my OS to a new OS without breaking every single bit of software I have in my Mac, breaking every single bit of it. And that's why I haven't for 10 years. There's no reason to. So if I really want to keep something running, I'm either have to going to upgrade and spend a bunch of money and then lose a whole bunch of work that I've done the last 20 years, or I'm going to have to uh, buy an older used Mac, you know, to have like ready to go on hand which is probably something I'm going to have to do, to be honest. Shit is crazy. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? I think that's a pretty low blow for them to say, oh, well, it, we're doing it because, uh, so iPad and iOS users can use uh, apps natively on their computers. We have fucking iPads and iOS iPhones already. We don't, I don't want them. I don't, I don't care to do that. The trade-off, right? I don't care for the trade-off of what it's going to do with to everything else. That's crazy. I know a lot of people are very upset about this. You should just go online and check the check the rants. You know what people are doing. They're going crazy. Um, and lastly here in tech, before we move on to some voicemails, huge, secur huge security floor, security breach, security breach, security breach, Netgear routers. If you have a Netgear router, listen up. Netgear suffers, Netgear routers suffers from a dangerous security flaw. There are 79 different Netgear routers that can allow hackers remote access to your devices. Yes, it's, that's true. It's real. The bug was identified by two independent security researchers and confirmed by a detailed proof of concept test that showed the exploit in action, which means when these security researchers went to Netgear, they could in theory, start from scratch and duplicate this problem in the security exploit again and again. And they did. Issue apparently lies on how affected routers handle administrative, uh, administrator settings. These routers fail to properly protect user input like password and settings, which means hackers can then easily inject malicious requests that bypass your router security. Thankfully, the researchers pointed Netgear to the patches to protect them, and they are currently working on releasing patches for this to fix them. There are 79 different routers. I did not list them all in here. If you have a Netgear router, go online and look up to see if your model number router is included. And if it is, go to Netgear's website. I'm sure there's a probably article on the front page about it. Check to see if there's a patch released for your router yet. If there is, download it and install it immediately. If there is not... And or if you have an older router that will not get updated, because remember, folks, some routers do not get updates. They're too old or they just don't never supported that. Maybe it's time just to buy a new router. And I hate to say that. I hate to say like the fix is to go buy a new one. But sometimes that's just the reality of it. Throw that thing in the garbage and go buy yourself a new router. Maybe look at a different brand. I don't know. I I mean, we have Netgear here. In fact, let me show you. I will show you this this uh, this Nighthawk. I got it right down here. This was the uh, 
I, I love Netgear. I've used Netgear. I'm not trying to be like, oh, go go abandon them. This is the Nighthawk 1750, a fantastic router. In fact, I love this router. We used this recently until we um, upgraded to our uh, Gigablast service, and then they, uh, you know, they gave us a Gigablast router for free. So we're using that. But this is great. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I love Netgear, and I think it's great that they're fixing it. I'm surprised they're not making people pay for it for their technical uh, assistance. Well, yeah, that is such a good yeah. Because remember when we had issues, I I was had to pay for it. Yeah, that's, that's good. so shady. It's like we didn't even have it for eight months. Yeah, it wasn't even a year. And they're like, no. oh, you need assistance. You have to pay for it. I'm like, your router's fucking broken. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said to him. I'm like, your router is broken. What do you want me to do? Yeah, but other than that, it works great. You're right. You're right. Other than the hack, hacked uh, OS or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So anyway, hey, maybe it's time to to look at getting another router or just make sure you're secure. I wanted everyone to know that. Okay, hey, we're going to jump into the uh, the hotline, the voicemail, because we have, I think, three voicemails, I believe, unless I unless I mess it up. But let's jump into the uh, hotline, folks, huh? Got voicemail. 503-908-5490. That is the phone number to get at me if you want to talk about anything. Maybe something on this show. Maybe something not on the show. Maybe uh, you want to talk about something else. I'm, I'm totally down. Hit me up with anything. We'll talk. 503-908-50... Excuse me, my coffee. 503-908-5490 is the phone number. Hey, Jason, it's Clive. Uh, hey, so I'm listening to your podcast, and I kind of have like a little thing on your ver- digital versus physical. I'm more of a physical guy. Um, nothing against people who did do, do digital. Um, I actually um, bought some games off Steam. Um, but I, the problem with digital, I feel like, is that you constantly a lot. And what people end up doing, including myself, is they download so many at a time because they're so cheap that I feel like they get lost in the shuffle. You know, like you play one game, great, but then you have like maybe 10 other games that you downloaded per that sale. Uh, physical, you know, maybe you buy like one, two, maybe three games at a time, and you, you play it, you finish it, but then like the other two are still like sitting on the shelf. They're kind of like, like play me, play me. Like we are something physically taking up space in your house, whereas digital, they're just taking up space in like a cloud somewhere. So I feel like digital games get kind of lost in the shuffle, uh, where physical, um, you know, they're on the shelf, like they're taking up space. So yeah, like, you can actually see I them. feel like, mm-hmm. um, for me, I'm more intrigued to play the physical stuff because they're there. Like they're taking up space in my house, digital, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I can play that whenever. So that's my thought on physical versus digital. Love the podcast. Talk to you later. Yeah, Cliva, I, I agree completely, 100% with you on that. You're exactly right. The physical stuff, I mean, if you actually see it, if you walk up to it and here it is, you're like, oh, oh, Midway Arcade Treasures on PSP. Like, that sounds like fun. Like, I'll play that. It's right here. I'm looking at it. Yeah. And if it's digital, you, you may never see it. I mean, I got games in my Steam library I haven't seen for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's true. I just forgot about them. I mean, case in point, we just had the Steam sale. I bought, like, six games. I paid 10 bucks. You know what I mean? And these games, I feel bad saying it. I don't remember what the hell I bought. I bought Doom. I bought Doom 64. And I bought Raft. Thank you. Yeah, because Steph and I want to play that in co-op. And I don't remember what else I bought. I just, I can't remember. Just cheap games on my wish list. Just cheap 50 cent dollar games. And uh, I agree completely with you, Cliva. You're exactly right on the money with that. And I agree. I think that uh, having having the collection out and actually seeing it is much more um, enticing to go in and uh, play a game. 100%. All right, we're going to jump into another voicemail. Thanks, Clive. I appreciate the call. What's going on, guys? It's the voicemail maniac, Mr. Cameron Johnson here. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to my man. I think it was Ryan who also left a a twofer voicemail for the last one and gave me a shout-out, talking about lawn darts. Oh, yeah. Uh, Et cetera. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. So I have a few few questions. Um, Let's see. The first one 
Um, now, I've always wondered, there's a lot of games, or there's some games I've played recently, like, for example, the Sega Genesis collection on Switch, um, some of these new kind of collections of retro games, or even like a, um, some of the newer kind of like mini consoles. Um, I've always, I know I've experienced it in the Sega Genesis collection, there's like lag, there's, there's input lag or delay on some of the games. And I've heard the same thing for some of these uh, console, mini consoles with, you know, it's like an emulation box essentially, right? Right. And then um, all the ROMs, you know, to play um, in a box. Why is there in this day and age and, you know, 30 years sometimes after some of these games were released, how is there still, how is, is there lag or, or, mm. or problems emulating them? Like, I just don't understand that. I'm very much a layperson when it comes to this kind of stuff, so maybe you can help explain that. So that's my first question. Um, question number, I guess this is, this is more of kind of an observation. Just kind of thought about this. You know, I kind of I kind of miss the days um, when there are a lot more console exclusives. Like, for example, and I hate to keep going back to the 16-bit era, but you get the same game or the same, you know, essentially the same game, two different consoles, two different developers a lot of times, and just interpretations of the game. Um, you know, I thought that was a lot more interesting. Nowadays, it's kind of like, I mean, you may get essentially the same game, right? You know, same exact game. Looks pretty much the same, I would I would assume, and then maybe you get some DLC or some sort of a content for each console or something. There's, there's a lot less ex- ex- exclusivity, exclusivity, these days, I feel like, when it comes to, to, to newer games or games that are coming out, which I guess it's a sign of the times. It's just how it is. But I kind of miss those days. What do you think about the about the uh, sort of the console exclusives back in the day versus now? Um, last but not least, this is for Steph. Uh, if you're, I know you're a survival horror fan, as, as you've stated, and both Jason and I are huge wimps. We can't handle those games, unfortunately. Um, and I would like to know what your favorite uh, – franchises and or games are uh, Cameron had a question here uh, he's asking it here I just paused it uh, for you too he says um, he knows you're a survival horror lover and agrees that me, me and him both are wimps when it comes to that he's asking like what your favorite franchises are what some of your favorite games um, for that are I just paused it real quick let me see what else he has to say in the survival horror or horror horror genre, and maybe your favorite horror movie. Maybe favorite horror um, movie. I'll just say my favorite horror movie is The Shining. His is The Shining. Also my favorite movie of all time. Favorite movie of so, all time. Uh, anyway, guys, thanks for humoring my long-winded message per usual. Thank you, Cameron. No, 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 it was great. Uh, a lot going on in there. Okay, number... Uh, the second thing I'll address first. You talked about exclusive games and why we don't see a lot of that now. I think the main reason, Cameron, is because in the 90s, through, basically through the 90s, technology was advancing so quick, right? But developers, for the first time, were able to, just from the beginning, create characters, create worlds, and create entire sagas in these games for the first time. Remember, prior to all this, who do we have? We had Jumpman, right? And Pauline. We had Mario, right? We had what Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man. Those were the those were the most in-depth like video game characters that existed. We had Donkey Kong, right? So we now have the technology to create a world for you to live in and be in. And it was the first time that's happening. So that's why you're super nostalgic for all of that. It's because it was the first time. If the game is released today, it could be a brand new IP. But if it's a, a third-person adventure game where you run around and slay dragons and demons, you're like, that's Zelda, or it's Diablo, or it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's been done, right? It's like a new racing game gets released. I'm not excited that it's a new racing game. I'm excited that it's done by a developer that used to make racing games that I loved, right? So it starts to make sense. We've already, we've already lived through that experience. The, the plateau of what can be done in storytelling and an atmosphere and, and gameplay, like everything has pretty much been done. Now that there's a caveat to that, right? There are some new experiences. VR can give you new experiences and a bunch of other stuff. But for the most part, 
every game is going to play out like Half-Life 2. Great story, great gameplay, great action, great sound. Like, we're there. We're there. So that, I think that's why. I hope that answers your question a little bit. So the first thing you talked about is why do the, why is emulation not caught up with the tech, with the hardware that we have today? Or why are some of these like all in one, like the at, at games, consoles, really shitty with input lag and stuff like that. Um, Now, I'm not a programmer, so I don't know the inner workings of like emulation and, and why this or why that. I do know the the basics of it though, and I will say one, it's because of either just lazy and or poor and or un don't have the ability to programming with these things. Um, inferior hardware, lower end hardware that's not really up for the job, but they use it because it's cheaper and it gets the job done. That's at games, kind of in a nutshell. Um, and or uh, the main thing is that people who are in the emulation community. They aren't like, okay, if they had an N64, right, and they just like took out all the hardware and then like somehow like just took every little inner workings of the code and the hardware and took all that into account and then just threw it into the PC and used Nintendo stuff, that's illegal. They can't do that, right? It's their proprietary hardware. What, What emulation is doing, what these communities are doing are actually reverse engineering and creating their own software uh, to run these games. So that's difficult to do because Nintendo has a lock and key over all of this stuff. And it's hard to, to, uh, to do this without stealing any of their code. And that's what they're wanting to do. Like the Dolphin emulator, which emulates Wii and GameCube. That team has been around for a long time, reverse engineering and creating their own software to run GameCube and Wii games. And they've done a very, very good job with that. Uh, so yeah, so they're they're not trying to like steal anything from Nintendo or what they have going on. They're trying to recreate and reverse engineer and create their own thing. So it's very very difficult. You're like, well, my PC is like is the equivalent of like one million N64 hardware all in one. Like it's true, but there's also lock and keys on stuff. Like it's not. It's it's definitely more difficult than that. So that's kind of that's kind of the gist. Um, of it. Now, are there people out there that are doing it incorrectly? Yeah, of course. Is there a lot of piracy going on? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Nintendo's trying to crack down on that, but uh, reality is that's kind of the reason why you see emulation not being uh, very good on some things because uh, developers haven't figured out a way to crack some of the codes. Um, and then, yeah, Steph ha- uh, Cameron has some questions for Steph about horror. You can answer it anytime. I know she's here working, so you can answer it anytime. But he asked you about what are some of your favorite horror or horror genre survival horror games and or if you have a favorite movie or any of favorite movies? His is The Shining. That was his favorite horror movie. So let's see. I'm going to go ahead and jump. We got another voicemail here. And just feel free, Steph. You can jump over anytime you feel like it. I think we got one last, one last voicemail here. All right. It's from the E-Dub. Blue says from the email here. Aaron. Hey, Jason and Steph. Uh, long time listener, first time caller E-Dub here. Thank you, Aaron. I've been missing my board game nights during quarantine. Do you guys have any recommendations for tabletop simulators or virtual board games on PC? Mm. I currently only have Clue. Oh, that's a good question, too. E-Dub, I paused it halfway through here. E-Dub says she's missing her board game nights because of quarantine. She's asking about any virtual uh, board games on PC that we uh, can recommend. I have some in-person ones that I really like. She has Clue, of course, and that Uno. I've been playing it a lot, and um, I'm looking for something new. Something new. Uh, I've also been loving that uh, Clubhouse 51 on the Switch. Oh, you already answered and, it. And uh, that community game night we had a few days ago. It's pretty great. Yes, it was. Anyways, thanks for keeping me entertained. And P.S. I also agree with Cameron that you need to have more food content. <laughs> she, she agrees with Cameron and saying, yes, we need more food content. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, we would like to rebuild our kitchen to make it actually look presentable. And then uh, that would be awesome. We would love to do that. Gamer, gamer grub or something. Yeah, great question. Well, you answered it already, and you already knew about this, though. The Clubhouse Games, so fun, so fun. There's actually a, uh, it's not necessarily a pool game, though. 
or a not pool. It's not a, a board game. It's that um, golf with friends game. That is a really fun casual golf game uh, that we've played actually just recently. Again, online with friends. It was a lot of fun. If you haven't picked up Tabletop Simulator, that's on Steam as well. I think Vaughn has been yelling at me for the past three or four years to pick it up. Um, that, from what I hear, is a lot of fun and allows you to kind of create your own uh, tabletop games and play online with friends. So I think that's probably probably the best recommendation would be uh, Tabletop Simulator. That's on Steam. So check that out. Um, I can't really think of any others. I mean, recently they released uh, Crossfire. It, this is, we're talking about physical games now, not necessarily a board game, but it's a real game where you shoot the little uh, BBs at each other and you have to hit the little pucks in the middle and they have to go into the thing. Target had it, or well, uh, rest in peace, Toys R Us. They had it. We picked it up there. I guess this would have been, gosh, I guess two years ago at this point. Now, wow. Um, another, another. Uh, I guess I'll just, I'll just say board game. We'll just talk about a board game real quick that I really like. It's a game called the Omega Virus. It's from the uh, early 90s. It's an electronic game. And uh, I mentioned this, I've talked about this before, but it's a game where you have to, you have to move your player around and then enter a room code in this, in the middle. There's the, a computer in the middle and you enter the room code and it searches the room and it tells you if you found a key card or a weapon and you equip it to your person and you go around and try to find the virus in all these different rooms. And if you find the virus, you have to battle it by entering uh, secret codes and you you learn the codes throughout the game and the if you don't kill the virus it shuts down whole areas there's four areas that will then shut down and you can get knocked out it's actually a ton of fun uh, it's one of those games that's actually gone up in price i think a lot of these electronic games from the 90s have kind of gone up in value i think people have realized how great they are and uh yeah so the omega virus go look it up on youtube i'm sure you'll find you'll find some stuff there about it uh, so yeah, tabletop simulator for sure. Thank you, Edub. I appreciate you listening. First time caller too. You've been a you've been a patron for so long, and so supportive, and I appreciate you greatly, both here and on the Twitch streams, and everywhere. You're just you're just fabulous, darling. You're fabulous. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hi everyone again. <laughs> Hi everyone. <laughs> um. To answer your question, my favorite survival horror, I think my favorite series has always been Silent Hill. Um, I'm more of a fan of the psychological horror than the full out gore fest. I mean, I don't mind those, but. That explains the psycho in you. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. But I like the ones that really make you think and not make you feel scared so much as uncomfortable and just you know, having <laughs> contemplating about like different aspects of life and whatnot. Um, another great game, not necessarily survival horror, but it's like a point and click horror game. It's called the downfall. And then it had a sequel called the cat lady and a third sequel called Lorelei. But it's also like one of those games where it's like, makes you uncomfortable and you start thinking about life in different ways it's <laughs> i know that sounds like really deep but I, I just enjoy those types but any I, I always enjoy a good scare in game um and then what was the other one horror movie okay um growing up my favorite was always the um the evil dead series with uh, Bruce Campbell, like that whole trilogy. It started off scary, and then like by the third movie, it was more of a comedy. But that's like old school. I guess more newer is... Um, I actually saw the first one, not the sequels. The sequels kind of became like gore porn, and that's... Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I heard, too, from people who really yeah, liked it. That's the not, first one was like the best, most yeah. scary, yeah. And then, yeah, I was not into the gore porn... Um, you know, I don't like seeing people tortured, but the first one was just like, there wasn't so much gore as it was like really like psychological based again. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I haven't watched any recent 
horror movies though but when did that come out like 2004 so it's not even that recent yeah, yeah. well yeah it was an early <laughs> 2000s i thought yeah so that's my yeah i would say brain fart you heard you heard it here first <laughs> you heard it here first folks no those are great those are great i mean classic i mean saw is widely known as one of the greatest yeah what's your favorite jason uh space balls <laughs> space balls really good i like mel brooks yeah i was scared when lord helmet showed up you know it was very scary you were afraid that he was going to whip out his Schwartz. Yeah, you know what it was? It was it was like in '93 or four or something when I watched that 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 horror movie where the clown comes out of the 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 fucking thing in the shower uh, and, and kills him. Wait, out or of the whatever shower? it is. Yeah, out of the 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 drain. It came out of the drain or something. A clown that came out of a drain. Yeah, or the clown came into the bathroom and killed everyone or something. I don't remember. I don't remember that. I don't know. See, I don't even remember. I ran out of the Do you room, remember, like, wetting a movie myself. Called, I forgot what it's called. Was it called Puppet? No, it wasn't Puppet Master. It was the one where like there was like a bunch of like these like little puppets, like these little toys that would attack people. Well, Gremlins. Actually, Gremlins. I mean, I watched it in, like you know in recent years, and I'm like, this is not scary. But as a kid, I was terrified. I was terrified of, that movie. of it. Yeah, I was. Too. I hated. I don't know. I was so scared of it. Now I watch it. I'm like, what the? What was I so scared? Of? I know. You know what <laughs> game? Funny. Also, or not game. You know, what, you know what movie. Also, I was scared what, about or in watching this Ghostbusters when I was a kid. Mm. I was I was scared of that. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, like ghosts and stuff, scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there was one where it was like puppets and there was one guy, one puppet that had like a white mask on and had like hooks for hands or something. I can't remember it, but I remember watching that as a kid and was terrified. Someone's yelling at their speakers right now. Like they know what, what it, it is. is. Yeah. Call in if you know what it is and if you still watch it. Freddy Krueger was my biggest fear though as a kid mm -hmm. because I would have nightmares about him. And like, that's how he gets you is in your dreams. So... One bad dream I had, he was disguised as my aunt and they were both, remember they were both in the kitchen and they were trying to convince me that they were the real one. And I, I had to kill one of them and I killed my aunt. I killed my aunt and Freddie was alive and he chased after me in my dream. That was, and ever since then I would always have various nightmares of him. I, I have trouble watching his movies. This just got real deep. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron. Thanks, Cameron. You wanted to, like, you wanted the answer. I know. And then like watching like people play uh Dead by Daylight with uh Freddie, I get like uncomfortable. But yet she still goes back. She still's <laughs> playing it. She loves it. Thanks, Cameron. <laughs> Thanks for the question there, Cameron. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um uh, let's see here. So, uh, heinyhouse.com's website. We're going to wrap up the episode. That was fantabulous. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, hope you have an amazing week. And, uh, yeah, that's about all we got. That's the show. It's been real. 503-908-5490 is the phone number if you want to get at us there. And also if you don't want to call because you're uh, out of, uh, out of, you know, that long range, you want to pay those long range charges. You can also record yourself on your computer or smartphone or whatever have you, and, and email it over. HeineHouseLive at gmail.com is the email. All right? Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Hope you have an amazing week. Catch you later. Bye now. Oh, let's say, let's, hold on, hold on. Hold on. We, gotta say, we gotta say thanks again to all the patrons. Brandon and George, E-Dub, Luke, Justin, and all the lovely friends on the main floor and ground floor. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for your support. Much love to you guys. Catch you next week. Bye.